Hello and welcome back to the Divorce Angel podcast. This is episode 21 and I'm really excited to have you with me today. I have a special guest. Now, this special guest has got so much value to add to the audience that I'm actually going to break it down over two podcasts. This first podcast is pretty much her journey and the lessons that she's learned. And then next week, we'll talk more about her business and the offering that she puts out to the market. And it could possibly help you if you're struggling with your spouse having had an affair on you. So this guest's name is Melissa Davis. Now, Melissa has three beautiful children. She obviously is now divorced and she struggled with it for a period of time. And because of that, she learned a whole lot of lessons and she could see other people that were struggling with the same thing that she was struggling with, but could not find any informational content out there to help her for her specific needs and was at a price point or something that was affordable for the normal person. Like you didn't need to be a millionaire to go and have hours and hours of counselling and therapy. So with the help of some other specialists in this area, Melissa's put together a program and she sells it at a really reasonable price point. And not just that, for everyone that she sells, she offers another one to someone who can ill afford it and needs help and support. So she's got a real social conscience. She's a wonderful person, very knowledgeable And I'm very grateful to have her on my podcast. So this week, as I said, we're going to look at her own personal journey. And then next week, we'll go more into her business, which is called After the Affair. And maybe if this is what you're dealing with or struggling with, you could look at her content, see what she's got, and it could possibly help you. All right, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Divorce Angel Podcast and thank you for joining us. Get ready to uncover the strategies everyone can implement for successful separation and divorce. This will save you valuable time, money and emotions while learning the secrets to your happy ever after. And now your host, my wife, Tanya Summerton. I'm so lucky because today we have with us Melissa Davis. Melissa has an amazing business called After the Affair and we caught up over um, a common client that we were both working with who suggested that we should have a chat and we have been talking for the last few weeks. Melissa is amazing. So welcome Melissa to the Divorce Angel podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. So you have started this absolutely amazing business and we really want to get into that because I think there's a great need for not only my clients and I have such a massive listenership over in America so for them to be able to learn more about what you do is great. I know from my research on you and stalking you on Instagram that you actually help a lot of people all over the world not just America. Yeah, you know, my biggest fan base is actually over where you are in Australia. How strange is that? (laughs) I know, it's crazy. So, well, let's start at the start. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, so for me, I have three daughters and I uh, have a, my career has been starting and selling businesses and uh, about seven years ago, my ex-husband, I found out, had been cheating on me with Uh, people who I believed were friends. 
And for me, this rocked my world. I had at the time a newborn baby and a three-year-old. And, you know, I had quit work for a while to be at home. And so I was really dependent on him and our relationship and our family and completely blindsided by that. So that trauma and that path that, that, you know, those events put me on changed everything for me, my whole future. Wow. And so once you found out about the affair, what, what happened? How long did it take for you to get the strength to understand what your future looked like? You know, I like to tell people, it's funny because I help people heal from affairs now. And I do that because I did everything wrong. It took me years and years and years, maybe I would say about three years until I really started coming out of that like trauma cloud almost. Um, And it was truly because I didn't know what to do and I was too embarrassed to get help. And then I was a single mother and too poor to get help. And so I just stayed stuck a long time. So the two of you stayed together in your marriage for, are you saying three years after you found out about the affair? No, um, because we had a little baby and I, and I, you know, had all these dreams, you know, we get married and we expect to have our grandchildren, you know, spend the night together and all these goals that you just have floating around. So we did try to work it out for a year. Um, and it did not work out. So, but for me, that pain and, um, you know, the panic attacks and fear and triggers and just this intense uh, place of trauma, I just stayed there for, for a long time. The person that he had the affair with, uh, is that over or is that, you know, is it, does he still see that person? Um, yeah, that, that affair's over. There were actually a lot of different people uh, I don't even think I know of everyone. Uh, that was kind of the cruel thing about it. I found out about my best friend uh, being involved, and then I was told that was it. And then a couple of days later, someone else contacts me and someone else. And even even um, about two years ago, I had someone else contact me. I'm like, I am not your priest. Do not confess to me. I don't need to know this. But it's just, you know, I call that the waterfall effect, just being drowned by information you thought you knew everything and surprise you didn't start over and is that the issue when your partner has an affair on you that like obviously not only did your person that you trusted the most and that you had children with but then he had an affair with someone that you also thought had your back and was your friend and I think we spoke about this last week when we had a chat about the fact that as humans We meet these people, we fall in love, and we think that they are going to do everything to protect us. So every time we make a decision after that, we second-guess our ability to make the right choices. Oh, yes. And, you know, when friends are involved or even just acquaintances, I, I think that, well, for me, I isolated myself so completely from everybody. I didn't think I could trust my family. I didn't think I could trust my close friend. I remember my, he's my best friend now. And she walked with me through all of this. And I asked her, 
very seriously many times like were you involved with him and she was just, and she un- she wasn't offended by it she understood where you know I was coming from and she just stayed with me and and it was very yeah you feel like I felt like a stupid idiot I felt like a fool I use that word a lot I had been fooled I had been fooled by many people and um and I thought that my my picker, I called it my picker. I thought my picker was broken. I couldn't pick people in my life who were good or trustworthy. How has that changed how you make decisions today? I don't know that it has today. Um, I think that, well, that's not true. It has. Um, in the beginning, in like the first, I'd say, four or five years, if you want to call that the beginning, I was very cautious, uh, very aware of the possibility of things happening again. Um, Valuing honesty has always been important to me. And now it's not just important. It's like, I, it's like a deepest need for me. Uh, And so when somebody is telling me like, you know, they do a white lie or a little half truth, it just strikes me so much stronger now. And I also, over the time, once I started to, to actually heal, which again, took me forever to get there, I realized a lot of things. And one thing I, I learned and didn't just hear it and observe it, I actually learned it for myself that I only can control myself. And that's a very freeing thing to learn. You know, when someone has an affair and you try to work it out, you have so much fear. If they run to go grab groceries, you're like, are they with her? Where are they? Are they really here? Are they doing this? Why is it taking so long? And you just question everything and you want to try to to control that because you're afraid. And once you start to learn that you can't control them, all you can do is control yourself and your responses and your choices. It's just, it's this beautiful freeing lesson, but it's very hard to learn. It's actually key because it's something I suppose there's a fine line between what you're talking about there being fear and also the jealousy, isn't there? Like, because you're sort of sitting there and not that you're jealous, but it could come across as being jealous. Like, if you came home and to try and rebuild, and every time they go out somewhere and you're second guessing yourself and you're putting more pressure on the relationship by then asking, well, where have you been? Why did it take so long? And because you want to, protect yourself you probably then also go into checking phones and uh, messages and all that just to make sure that you are making the right decisions and trying to protect your future would that is that right yeah you know trying to at after the affair about half of our members are trying to work it out and the other half are not when they start with us Um, and then that changes as time goes on but Trying to work that out is very, very hard. Leaving is also hard, but trying to work it out is hard because it requires your partner that that cheated on you. They have to be fully committed and oak and and have a lot of compassion for you. So if you are, you know, where you say you would seem jealous, if you have a partner that's truly sorry and truly wants to work it out, they will see that they've just hurt you and they've put you in this place of constant reassurance and constant fear. 
And so the right partner that's willing to be very patient for years, patient and very compassionate and willing to answer those questions. You know, one of our members, um, her husband, he just I mean, when I heard this, I was like, that's it. That's what you have to do when he goes somewhere. He knows what's going on in her mind and he knows that he caused it. And so instead of belittling her or being frustrated with her that she's still upset, what he does is he opens his phone and does a video chat with her all the time when he goes somewhere so that she can actually see that he is where he said he was. And she knows that she can call him anytime and see where he is or he'll have you know, his coworkers that are there with him say, oh yeah, he's right here. Like, and they know why. And so he, that, that's like showing that's going above and beyond. And really I'd say that's where they need to be really okay with that. And that's where you won't be perceived as jealous. You just be understood as hurting. Mm. I remember when I was going through my relationship breakup with my ex-husband, he was in the wrong choices. He was trying to project some of what he was feeling onto me. As you said, trust is one of the most important things that you can have in a successful relationship. Everything's got to be built on trust, doesn't it? Yes. Um, So tell me about after you then obviously found out that he had had an affair, you went through the divorce process. So the divorce process over in America is very different to here in Australia. Here in Australia, we have what's known as no fault. So if either party wants to get divorced, no one, you know, you don't sit there and say someone's gambled or someone's had an affair or whatever the case may be, and the other person gets a greater proportion of the assets split. But over there in America, you do have fault divorces, don't you? You do. Um, for me, you could be at fault, but it's still everything's still divided equally. Okay. So it actually changes from state to state. And I'm in North Carolina, and that's how it is. Everything's uh, 50-50 here. So it doesn't matter whether you've got children and you're the primary carer of the kids, everything is still just divided 50-50. Yes. So you take all of your assets, um, house, car, accounts, debt, and basically add it all up and divided, divide out the values um, where the kids land is child support going forward. So you take into account, at least in North Carolina, you take into account how much each person makes, and then how much time each person has the kids. It's basically just a set worksheet. Uh, And that's the case for uh, many of the states over in the U.S. Um, As far as uh, going forward for the future, then somebody would choose, someone would have to pay child support. But even if, you know, the at-fault person had the kids the most, and uh, it doesn't matter who's at fault with child support, basically. So what, when you went through the divorce process, looking back, is there something that you would tell the listeners that you have learnt from that experience and that maybe you wouldn't have done in hindsight? Absolutely. How much time do we have today? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things. Um, you know, when I very first started, probably a, a week after I found out about the affairs, 
I went and saw this lawyer and her advice to me was so cutthroat that, and I, and I was so raw and so, you know, newly in shock that I couldn't handle it. So some of her advice was stuff like she told me to get a bank account um, and a different bank and empty out our savings account and put all the money in there. Uh, she told me if I didn't, he would. Uh, it was mostly money related. That was the one that really stands out to me. But all of the things that she told me to do that were so cutthroat, later on I realized I should have listened to her. She knew what she was talking about. You know, he did pull out all the money and all the things that she predicted happened. The things that I would do differently. Uh, I had two lawyers that I ended up hiring. My first one was obviously all about charging me for every single little thing and, and robbed me blind. Um, I've spent so much money on lawyers and it's such a waste. I just robbed my children, you know, in both households of, of security. Right. And so, um, for me, I would definitely try so hard to find a, like lawyers here. You have to, you still have to both have different, your own lawyer, but there are lawyers that work together and, and work only through mediation. And I think that would be really beneficial, um, especially if you have children. Uh, I think staying away from court just helps the relationship overall. And the better our relationship is, the better it is for the kids. Um, and I say that to you because I did it all wrong, guys. <laughs> I We went to court. I don't know how many times we've gone to court five or six, so many times we've gone to court and, and every time it's so damaging. And still, if we are in the same room, we never fight in front of the children or argue, but we're just very, you know, business-like or just talk to the kids. And so going to court is terrible, terrible experience. I mean, how many things can I tell you? I think that just not knowing what to do. I, I had two lawyers and the first one I told you was robbing me blind and, and actually asked me to do things that I just morally knew were very wrong. And he asked me to do one thing. And finally I was like, I, I can't, I'm you, you're gone. And I know my ex's lawyers have done and accused and made up the craziest stuff just for the sake of drama or, you know, being really emotionally charged. And I think all of that is just so damaging and so ridiculous. I think that divorce is really painful all by itself. And then and then the lawyers get involved and the court systems get involved and the lawyers get richer and we get more wrinkles, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, too, that's primarily why my business or my purpose in life is to try and help people understand that because like we've spoken about before, for every action there is a reaction and sometimes the lawyers just want us to cause a fight because the greater or the bigger the fight and the more emotionally charged we are, the more money they make. So that's why it's so important for us. You know, that's why we do a divorce roadmap with a lot of our clients because when it's getting to that stage, they are getting really emotional and they want to go down a different track it's like come on let's go back to the strategy document let's have a look at what you originally said you wanted 
and what you're trying to achieve, let's not make this bigger than it needs to be because that money, you need that money for your future. You need to set yourself up for success. Put your energy into something that you know is going to benefit your life, not something that's going to adversely affect, as you said, your own finances, your future relationship with your ex-partner because let's, unless you've got kids, you're going to always be be part of each other's life yeah you know if I had a a plan with somebody who knew what to expect or what I was going to go through that would have been so valuable especially when I got those like your heart falls to your stomach um, letters from um, my ex's um, lawyers because it was so you cannot help but just go crazy and it's so um, gut-wrenching and you cannot stay focused and so if you had that to bring you back and have that focus oh that would have been a lifesaver to me can we go back in time yeah (laughs) well I I actually did a podcast on this about I think about eight weeks ago and it was called um, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes but it was about the strike of a pen and the interesting thing is the more and more I'm in this industry, lawyers talk completely different to how you and I talk. They have this language that they are able to, you know, read between the lines. So when you get a letter from your husband's lawyer, that letter is actually going to your lawyer, not actually to you. But when yes. the client is reading it, they are just so overwhelmed with not only the words on the paper and can't believe what is written, there's actually an unwritten conversation going on between the two lawyers and they're reading because they can't actually come out and accuse someone of something. So they're putting words in there that when you're reading it, is this for real? But your lawyer, if they really are good at what they do, they know damn well what the other side is getting at. And that's something that I tell my clients about just take the letter with a grain of salt. Don't, you know, I can read it and think that it's very positive, but then the client might read it and go, oh, my God, this is just dreadful. But it's actually a positive letter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. So it, um, I'm glad you sort of said that because it's, it is part of what is really important. So if you are listening and you are in the legal process and you get a letter, just take a deep breath stand back, come back and read it again. Don't get too emotional about it because it might not even say what you think it's saying. Or if it does, it might not matter. It's just theatrics craziness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, So let's talk about the healing process then. So, how did you go through that? What was what were your main drivers? What were things that you think made such a difference to you? <laughs> so I laugh because um, here's what I did in the beginning and, and what I see so many other men and women doing as well. Um, I just shoved my feelings down. And I told myself I was doing it because I had I had babies to take care of. But as I stand back, I know that that, that's a lie. I always shove my feelings down. I ignore (laughs) it. I don't want to feel bad. I just want, you know, 
I I chose to binge watch TV or, you know, just check out any way I could get away from it and not face what I was going through is what I did. I just stayed busy, ignored it completely. And what happened to me is, you know, I was getting headaches. I was having trouble sleeping. I had back pain and I would just be, you know, in the kitchen cutting up vegetables and all of a sudden, you know, years later, just fall on the floor and be hysterically crying. And then, and that's not who I am. That's not how I like to function or operate. And I just, and it was like those feelings that I tried to push down, they were coming out. They were like, I will be heard. And so they came out in my physical body and then they would just burst out. And what happened for me is years after I found out, I had a, a, an all of a sudden fit of crying. And I realized I just cried. I just sat there and cried. And I realized when I was done that I felt tired, but I felt a little bit better. And so this sounds really funny, but this is just me. So you guys bear with me. I had shoved my feelings down for so long. I could not force myself to grieve. I couldn't force myself to cry, but I had realized I needed to because it was coming. It was coming for me. And so here's what I did. This movie, there's a couple of movies that always make me cry. So I put on P.S. I Love You. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so for me, it's a sappy movie and I will cry the whole time. So I put it on. I cried, ugly cry, sobbed the whole time. And then um, I cried all night long and I was exhausted to ne- the next day, but I felt lighter. And so I decided to do it again. Um, only this time I started the movie around lunchtime. So I wasn't so tired the next day I could sleep. But I, I basically forced myself to grieve. And then I started reaching out and seeing other people that were going through the same thing um, on, you know, different types of uh, internet groups. And I had honestly thought that I was the only person on earth that was going through this because in my world, that was, that was true. Nobody else was going through this. So, you know, I started to slowly see things that I needed to do. And I still did a ton of stuff wrong. Um, You know, still was afraid to face things. And, and we just went out it the wrong way. But for me, it was, I knew it was coming for me. And I also didn't want to stay stuck like I had felt and in so much pain for so long. It sounds like for you, you prolonged it. So without knowing it, you thought you were doing the right thing by ignoring it and just going on and supporting the children and just existing by the sounds of it. So you then decided, mm-hmm. if I don't do something about it, I'm just not going to be able to repair? Yeah, I just, I, I finally realized I definitely extended it. I extended it for so long. Um, and, and anyone that has gone through an affair, they know, I mean, it's a, it, to me, you know, I've lost best friends um, to death. I've lost my sister and the pain of losing somebody in death is this is so much different. And I can I can say that that pain is is almost easier to face. And an affair 
it's like you're mourning a death of a relationship, but you also have to mourn or struggle with the questions of what did I do wrong? Why am I not enough? Like you question everything about yourself. And so, you know, staying in that for longer than you need is just torture. It's cruel. And so that's really my passion. When I had started seeing that not only there were other people out there going through this, but there were thousands and thousands of people out there that were doing the same dumb stuff that I was doing. And they were struggling in the pain for years like I was. And it is not necessary. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed this interview so far. As you can see, Melissa's got so much value to add. And next week, we're going to talk more about her wonderful business and what she does to help people. And I hope you can join me then. So thanks for listening today. And I hope you have the most amazing week. And I'll talk to you again next Thursday. Bye for now.